cell. I rap at the door, my young son Gabriel walks in. My wife says, no, Gabriel, leave. I say, no, let the boy watch. Let the boy watch. He needs to learn the way I learned from my father. The way he learned from his father. <laughs> let the boy watch. Welcome back to episode number eight. <laughs> number eight? Of Let the Boys Watch, an entertainment podcast brought to you by Going Great Productions. Uh, alongside me is a man who wants to organize a little coup down in old Peru. <laughs> Cousin Benny. And alongside him is a lady who uses lemon lacroix to wash out wasabi out of her husband's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the man who just wants to be our fun guy in Uruguay. And that is one of our co-hosts, our good buddy, Ryan. I wish, didn't he have a third one? I wish I would remember it so I could have called you that. Well, I think he wants to take a van into to <laughs> Tajikistan. <laughs> <laughs> or Turkmenistan, I should say. Turkmenistan, yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Robbie. And yes, this is Let the Boys Watch. We are talking about Succession, season four. Episode eight, America decides. Which do you guys think that's a little bit of a pun? A little bit of oh, 100%. A, a joke? Okay, that's yeah. I mean. That it definitely got Fox News vibes. Yeah, um, and uh, we do this every week until Succession ends. So stick with us for that. Afterwards, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll maybe we'll watch some movies. I think Jugs on the Run's getting some some good reviews. Maybe we'll watch that. I don't know. Yeah, it is award season, so they're racking in the awards. That's a racket. <laughs> um, and we do have a super special guest today, the first lady of reservations. Aya, please say hi. Hi. Finally get Welcome. a female perspective on here. Yeah, yes. big, big fan of the show. Thank you. Um, it's been it's been we were talking about how like this season in particular of succession, I've been really on board and Ben made a very good point about like Maybe it's because of all that in-depth analysis that I've been getting after the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rounds out the experience. That's true. That's possible. I mean, I do like the episodes better after I talk with these two characters. So maybe you're right. Um, Thank you. Before we get started, just a quick reminder, please do all the things that we always ask you. Rate, review, five stars, please. Follow us on Instagram, LTBW podcast. Yeah. No, wait. No, that's the that's, that's the, the email. No. Let the boys watch pod. Pod. Pod is on Instagram and LTBW podcast at gmail.com. That's right. All right. Nice. Uh it's sort of two for two. So send us an email. We love it. Um and uh I don't know. Should we just get right into it? Maybe do some overall impressions, a little plum watch, and then we'll talk about the episode. Let's do that. Yeah. Um can we have our very special guest talk about her overall impressions first or? Yeah. So please, I, the first thing I told Benny, cause usually I have a lot to say once the episode wraps up, but the first thing I told Benny was, Hey, can I jump on the episode this week? Cause Whoa. this was save for episode three, which I think is might be one of the best episodes of the show. And might be one of the best episodes of TV 
uh, any you know TV show at this point. But save for episode three, I think this has been the best one. The, maybe this is the second best episode of this entire show. It was amazing. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, it gave me feelings that I didn't want to feel and feelings that I needed to feel for this show. And it was so well written. It was so well acted. And, you know, um, 35 plums, if I could give it. Nice. Nice. It was a really, really good episode. Out of what, 70? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a good, good number, 70 plums. Uh, Robbie, what'd you think? Yeah, I had, I thought it was great. Um, being a, you know, history major, it took me 12 years to get my undergrad, but still, I thought it was, uh, you know, right in my wheelhouse. I love politics. I love history. And I love how they kind of intertwine previous <clears throat> elections, like close elections, like, you know, Kennedy Nixon and uh, Gore Bush, like all those kind of parallels and those cl- close races. Um yeah, like I said, it was just intense from start to finish. I mean, of course, when I saw the guy Jesse Armstrong uh, wrote the episode, I knew we were in for a treat. Um, I just thought it was action-packed in a sense of how well-written it was and how um, they directed and shot it. And yeah, I think it was, along with episode three of this season, this is the second-best episode of the, of this season. And I think it's definitely in my top five to ten um best episode of the, of the show i just loved it i loved everything about it nice. yeah i agree i think it probably top three episode um if i had to go top three off the top of my head it would be episode three this season season finale last season and then probably this one um it just really punched you in the face with like you know we joke and laugh and we have our favorites that we play but it just goes to show you how every single one of these people are pieces of shit, like when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, you know, this episode really drove it home and it, and it kind of gives the last two episodes here kind of a dark, you know, dark feeling going into them because we've watched these guys fumble, bumble, stumble around for the last 29 episodes or whatever has been. And, you know, it ultimately all led to this moment. And I think it's just so crazy how, you know, you start season one where Shiv is working in politics and you were always thinking about how her liberal ideologies were going to mesh with this family. And it turns out, you know, even though I don't think what she did was 100 percent because of her political values, it still ended up being the reason that she was able to kind of like. Pretty much tank this whole thing. I mean, obviously, I think Ken and Roman are the ones to blame the most for what happened. But, you know, this was it was just gunpowder in the mix so for me i'd probably give it like a 9.3 9.4 plums as a yeah plummy strong yeah very plummy <laughs> um i agree with a lot of the things that you guys said but i found myself bored i gotta be honest i liked a lot of things about it i don't I've been thinking all day and night, like, why was I bored? Why did I not love this episode? I don't really have an answer. And maybe, maybe as we're talking, I'll either go one way or the other. Like I'll start liking it more. I'll, I'll realize why, but I don't know. I I just was like, all right, like, cool. That's the only election. Great. Do you think 
kind of because there was a lot of hype around this episode do you think that was part of the reason why no because you know what i didn't really know that this was supposed to be like a huge episode until after the fact because mm. people were complaining like i thought this was supposed to be shocking what was shocking about it and you know the the by the way, the internet discourse on this episode is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's like insane. on it's both sides. It's so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I was getting I had PTSD like, <laughs> OK, stop. And then yeah. the people, people on the right are just like, well, you know, this and that Fox News. And I'm just like, yeah, everyone's stupid. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do a podcast about it instead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Smart people do podcasts. Come on. Yeah. So um, what do you think was the difference between what made last episode so good for you and this episode not hit as well? I have, I honestly don't know. Uh, maybe I need to do some self-discovery and find <laughs> out about myself, but I just, I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in the right mindset. Maybe I was a little tired, something. I don't know, but I just... Like, I liked the episode, but I wasn't... Everyone's, like, saying, like, like you said, 9.3, 9.4 up in there. I'm, I'm like, I don't know, 7.4. I mean, that's kind of in line it's, with most of the other stuff. Yeah, it's it, very good. I enjoyed it. I liked a lot of parts about it. But I think... You know, I think the biggest part is when when people really are pieces of shit it like bothers me and I'm just like turned off by it. And like, yeah. And I, I fully realized that that's the, not the point, but that's who these characters have been this entire time, but they just really turned it up to 11 this episode and for different reasons. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, maybe that's why I love Tad Lasso so much. I need some optimism. Mm. I need like good yeah. things. <laughs> but I feel like that's what's funny about um, this particular episode. Uh, Cause like last episode, Benny and I were talking about how I, what I love about the writing in this show is that it, it makes you root for these people, right? Because like, that's the whole point of you watching a show. You want to gravitate towards a person. Right. You want to root for someone. But then they give you like these little moments with Kendall verbally attacking his wife. Right. Um, Tom and Greg doing that firing thing over Zoom. Just like little things that you don't think plays to the storyline. But for me, it's like just to remind you that, hey, these are pieces of shit. And to me, this episode was like the biggest unmasking of it. And there's like this like funny discourse happening on TikTok right now where there are a lot of girlies are going like, just so easy, just so when I thought that I was in love with Roman Roy, you know, yeah, yeah. just they just want to remind me that he's the fastest piece of shit. Like it's it's this episode that like all like, hey, just a reminder, each and every single one of these people are severe assholes and dipshits. Like it's the biggest unmasking out of all four seasons which is like i think it's great it's it, it that's it gives you a pit in your stomach and um it makes you have to like look into yourself and think about like why the fuck did i root for this person or why the fuck did i have feelings for this person or why you know it it's it it really gives you that roller coaster ride i forget what she says exactly but like shiv asking greg if he has feelings for her <laughs> feelings for me? you know i just want to know when i'm being fucked <laughs> yeah right yeah exactly <laughs> and and the the writers producers directors were telling us these people are gonna fuck you and fuck everybody mm -hmm. 
And we were just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he made a funny cock joke. So yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Um, so how should we do this? Because I think we've been talking about this episode since it aired. How do we want to attack this? I feel like it's tough to not do it chronologically, but yeah. sometimes the chronologic is like, I don't know, not I mean, the ideal so... way to have a podcast, but what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think we could start that way. Maybe try not to go too heavy into discussion because I feel like we're going to come back and touch on all this stuff again. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have any like lines or anything that you know you wanted to talk about, but. Why don't we just start summarizing and, and see where it takes us? Yeah, love it. Uh, so our episode starts with the cold open with Tom and Greg. Um, basically, Tom just saying that he's got a lot of pressure on him, which follows up into the episode beginning where Kedden is telling Tom that he needs to get good ratings. Um, and we get the first hints of these of this fire that's going on in Milwaukee. And there's other things going on. Um where there's uh, buses picking people up and dropping them off where there's no nowhere to vote. Um, what do you guys think about this as kind of like, you know, all the pressure that's being put on Tom? How do you think he's feeling, especially the day after, you know, this huge fight with Shiv? Robbie? Yeah, it was nice to see Tom uh, under pressure and kind of, I don't know about wilting in the pressure, but I don't know, it was, it was, an, it was cool to see like the behind the scenes of how somebody who's running a network on election day, you know, all the different parallels and all the different things he has to face, especially come off the heels of a horrendous uh, verbal altercation with his ex-wife on, uh, on their balcony. And um, yeah, it was, it was just crazy to me. I mean, Tom is under immense pressure to deliver and he was just dealing with a ton of shit. I just love the interaction with him and Greg, like back on their back on their bullshit. Yeah. He just wants him to be his little his little gopher boy again, and yeah. he can't be he can't be eating bodega sushi because his uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did he say his um about his uh, like the constitution and his appetite. I forgot what I forgot. Oh what yeah, so I said that he wants to make sure the only things he eats tonight are microwave milk and ginger shots. <laughs> Uh, American bottled water and spaghetti with olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the same, like this was the same scene where Greg was talking about how he was just drinking things that he didn't know he could drink. And he, <laughs> they, made, they made him dance with an old man. Yeah. So I just love those interactions. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was just nice to see the, the, the back room point of view of somebody who's like running a TV network on the biggest night of the year. Yeah, so we can kind of group both of these Tom and Greg scenes together because we we bled into kind of the next one with the bodega, bodega sushi. But I also put that, you know, uh, in this scene, Tom wants Greg gregging for him tonight, but Greg doesn't want to greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also get that quote, Ryan, uh, where, with Tom and Greg talking and he has information and Greg kind of wants to know what he should do with it. And Tom tells him that information is like a... a a fine bottle of wine. You store it, hoard it, and then when it's time, you take it out and smash somebody in the fucking face with it. <laughs> Is this the best advice you've seen on the show so far? I think I think so. And I mean, Greg take takes it to heart and uses it in like a couple hours. Yeah, I love that. I did love that that uh, 
that advice. Was that, did he say that before or after the cocaine? I think it was before. Yeah. Cause yeah, that was kind of during the first interaction we had from Tom and Greg. And then they go back into the, into the war room there um, and meet up. I'm so kind of surprised that they went with Coke. Like why not go with like Adderall or something? It would have been smart, but Hey, I mean, you're rich. You might as well just splurge the extra money and get the cocaine. I guess. Or maybe Greg might've had it left over from his Coke binge with Matson. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this episode, sorry to cut you off. Like, no, and this might be a little macro for for what we're doing, but I felt like if I was a a conspiracy theory person, which I might be, Greg seemed like he is kind of doing like making moves, like, and not as stupid. Maybe, like, if you really. You know, and it may just be coincidental and how he plays things, but like spends all evening with Matson, gets information about Shiv, conveniently leaks information to Jess, fucking motherfucks Shiv. And there was one other thing that I was like, Greg might be playing the game, but I don't know if he's playing the game because he might be stupid. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, just that, you know, that point where him and Shiv are having that conversation and you see and you feel like Greg is so his back against the wall and he still has the balls to ask Shiv like what's in it for him to say sweetener. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know. Go ahead, sorry. Any thoughts? Well, I don't I have thoughts on the the Greg uh Jess interaction but that's for, like I guess you when we get now. there. No, but it, it, it it's for Guys yeah. Uh, when we go chronological, but like I think it's it touches on the good point of like when when Greg sort of sells out Shiv when really doesn't sell out. You guys have talked at length about how do you think these guys' treatment treatment of Greg if, uh, will affect or like who will we he, he side with? Because you guys have talked about how Shiv treats Greg, Roman treats Greg, and Kendall treats Greg. And you guys talked about how like technically, if you really look at it, and all throughout history of this of, of the show. Kendall is the only one that actually treats Greg right. Not right, right, but like really, you know, like a human being. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I think it was he was it was so quick for him to like give that information to Kendall. If it was Roman asking, it would have been a different question. But because it was Kendall, he has this kinship with Kendall because they have that they have that shared apartment. They have so many shared experiences. His allegiance, other than Tom, the next person he would ele- he would align himself with would be Kendall. Mm. So I think it wasn't really that he was playing the game. It's just that he knows where he's aligned with. Right. But, but I don't even think he's aligned with Tom at this point. Like, I think mm. he kind of sees Tom as a, a sinking ship. Yeah. And, he, and he's, you know, he's willing to, to throw Tom under the bus if he needs to. Yeah. Um, Robbie, I, you know, as our resident sex hound on this podcast <laughs> and professional with the ladies i have a question for you it's it's about text messaging okay what is better two eggplants or four smiley faces oh great question <laughs> well you know i'm um i'm not really a big emoji guy so i'm not really going to use four smiley faces but if i want to get my point across to let somebody know like hey either i want to be fucked or i don't want to be fucked <laughs> I'm going with two big yeah, eggplant emojis. Good, because I mean um, that was that was a big debate in the in the first part of this episode. I'm glad to know that we've solved it. 
Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if I'm gonna let you know that I'm um I'm rock hot and I'm ready to go, it's it's two eggplant emojis. All day. All day. Yeah, all day, every day. <laughs> uh so the other thing we learned early on this episode is on a phone call between Ken and Rava is that Ken has them being tailed by security. Uh what do you guys think about that, Aya? Um, you know, Ken being Ken, Ken being um a little presumptuous, but I think that's like an important thing of like so a lot of this discussion will be how as this whole plays out as this whole episode plays out and how important this episode is a lot of people are talking about how you really get a sense of how this jointed or uh, up, up like separated all these people and all these characters are from reality where they are making moves and they're making decisions and they're making like um these like very very important decisions but not anchored in any reality or like with how real world will play this right i think the whole storyline of kendall and his daughter and um the whole i think out of all of them he's the only one that that whole storyline is what tethers him into the reality of situation that yeah all of the movements that you're making is very self-serving and it's very thinking about the business and all that stuff but that's why i think throughout the show you'll see like Kendall's like having pauses and having like um like little concerns here and there because his daughter is like his setter to the real world consequences of every decision that they're making what do you think Robbie I don't know um I don't know like I don't know about because he can't even get on the phone to say that he freaking Loves his daughter. That kind of irked me. Um, and like even hearkening back to like not jumping around, but like he was talking about saving the not, well democracy, I guess, for his daughter and we wanted to do the right thing. And then in the end, he just did what was best for him. Mm-hmm. So does the uh, what did he say? Does the does the poison? Does the poison bleed through? Yeah. Which I thought was a fantastic line. Um I don't know, man. I think he does want to do the right thing, but I also think he's so, you know, enthralled with, with just being on top and being, you know, the, the the CEO and the big power broker that nothing really matters but that. I mean, we I think I feel like we've seen that time and time again with him where he's just, you know, trying to be this this righteous bro, and but then he just mm-hmm. goes back to being kind of who who he, you know, who his dad is and just wants to be on top and doesn't really care about anybody but himself. So he's fight he's fighting a, a battle, obviously, you know within his own mind so he's uh he's all over the place and but he's just you know i, I know i hate on him but the the man jeremy strong is just an absolute menace on the screen so it's it's it's, fa- it's fascinating to watch like the ups and downs his facial expressions just everything he does on the screen is awesome yeah i agree i mean he definitely like like the decision at the end is i thought more to say fuck you shiv than to do what's gonna be helpful for the company and then he's like after the fact regretting what he did because of the feelings he has for his daughter or you know other things but yeah he's definitely like manic or something something you know he's probably got holes in his brain from drugs or something (laughs) uh 
he he wants to do the right thing so bad, but then he's like, it's like a shiny car drives by, and he's like, oh yeah, do yeah. That. Like yeah. he, he gets like distracted and just wants to do and throw out buzzwords and whatever. So, but uh, he also wants to do what looks good, not necessarily what is the right thing. Right. You know, he thinks that by doing that, excuse me, he's protecting them or, you know, he thinks that that's the strongest play he has available when, you know, as Rava mentioned a couple of times, like just get on the phone with her. Right. And tell her everything's going to be okay. I think Kendall throughout, like, he has this thing, and that's why he he looks so manic, too. And if you think about it, out of the three siblings, no matter how much pieces of shit Shiv and Roman are, Kendall is the weakest out of all of them, in the sense that he can't correlate or can't, like, decide whether he wants to do the right thing. Oh, the right thing. The best thing. Or the killer thing you know what i mean like right it, it, there's always a, he's not it, like his direction is never focused he's always like do am i a good guy i'm gonna go the good guy path but no i don't want to be a good guy i want to be a killer and i want to be a serious person but no for me to be a killer and a ser- you know he's always like jumping back and forth and he doesn't he can't decide within himself like what kind of direction he wants to take himself at so i want to check in on our pl- on our candidates for president but before i do that i just <laughs> want to throw this one out to the room and whoever's got the answer first you just yell it out okay uh not doing coke racist <laughs> <laughs> no what not racist think? not racist at all not racist at all not racist to the aztec it's good for your brain good for your brain but <laughs> not racist it's not racist to the aztecs if it's something that you fundamentally don't want to do and don't, don't believe in in the moment but okay. Not, what about you? Racist or not racist? I think a little racist. So, you know, <laughs> just throw it out there. <laughs> uh, good answer. Could make you a, a candidate for president. So Thank let's you. check in on our presidential candidates. Uh, Ken calls Jimenez, trying to get him to commit to reigning in tech, uh, and tells him to stay hydrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And says, <laughs> and they both say "man" like eighteen times. Hey man. Yeah. yeah good luck out there, man. Yeah. Um, Mankin and Roman meet. Mankin wants Roman to help control the narrative he loses and to spin it as a huge win for him. Uh, and then they could propel themselves forward to the next election where, you know, him and Roman will will team up again. Um, and in the upset of the century, Connor loses Kentucky. <laughs> and, you know, all we could say is alas, Kentucky, alas, vanity. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, as the resident conhead on this podcast con conhead number two we'll call you thank you give us a little you know give us your feelings here i was ready for just a, a red wave for the con man but um once kentucky went to uh mankin i think my entire body just you know my soul left its body i was devastated i thought we were we were in for the shock of the cinch but um i knew kentucky i i you know I knew Mitch McConnell would uh, find his way to ruin the election, and I knew that he wasn't going to give it to Khan. <laughs> it's devastating. I mean, the man spent $100 million on his campaign, and for it to be over at 701 was absolutely devastating. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also, um, first, first off, I'm sorry. Shout out Willa, looking like a minx. In that outfit, what a first lady she would have been. Yeah. 
uh ryan what do you think is is this the reason maybe you didn't like the episode this much as a new member of the conheads you know you kind of got <laughs> maybe i i was so i was so heartbroken <laughs> over his loss um no i mean it was expected i don't think they would have it would have been too stupid as a show for them for him to like win a few states or like make serious noise like i yeah. thought he you know, I thought your prediction might have been uh, correct in which that like one, two, three percent might have like swayed a state and it could have, you know, done something. But in the end, he was basically just um, nuisance candidate. Yeah, just mm-hmm. like just there. He, you know, he maybe maybe going to Slovenia as an ambassador <laughs> might be nice. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we'll talk we'll talk more about that later. But yeah, I mean, it, I I did appreciate the grace at which he um dealt with that heartbreak cuz if any one of us were in that situation, we of course would have wanted him to win and he yeah, like you said, a last Kentucky, a last vanity. <laughs> and then it's almost like he was just like, "All right, what's the next thing?" Yeah, yeah, he moves on pretty quick. I any thoughts him. about Connor? Pretty much summed it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're back at ATN. Um, and let me just say something. Board malfunctions, Kornacki would never let that happen. No. I just want that on the record first. Touchscreen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would have Touch a down. Ma- uh, Map daddy could never. Yeah, he would no. never. Uh, so we, we're talking more about these Milwaukee fires. Map daddy. Uh, Ro- <laughs> <laughs> Roman calls them Antifa firebombing. Shiv, sends, uh, Shiv says it's Mencanists. And Roman drops his favorite line of the episode so far is false flag. Um, <laughs> Can't just say false flag when you don't agree with something. <laughs> yeah. uh, we find out that ballots have been lost in the fire. And Roman gets talking points from Mencken's team and gives them to Ravenhead. Uh, we'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, the next thing we do, though, the next thing we get is a big, uh, big scene in this episode is Tom and Shiv. Uh, Shiv tries to apologize. Wants Tom to apologize, but he doesn't. Tom says Shiv killed Logan, sort of. Uh, <laughs> and, and then Ryan, your probably favorite part of this episode, Shiv finally drops the bomb, and Tom doesn't believe her? Question mark. Uh, thinks it might be a play. Uh, Aya, what did you think about this scene? We didn't get your input really on the fight last week, so I think the whole his initial reaction of him not believing was so funny given the discourse on Logan dying and the public thinking, nah, that's a play. That's such a thing that they would pull off. And to have that be Tom's first reaction is like very in keeping with how everyone thinks this whole family operates. Like it, of course he, that's the first thing he'd think. Of course he, the first thing he'd think it's like, it's, it's a move or whatever. And it's just another knife in Shiv on top of all the other knives that he has been to, she has been taking since the last episode and up to this episode. So that was that was pretty brutal to watch. Ryan, what do you think? Oh, as the as the resident child haver on this episode, <laughs> um, I gotta say that this was absolutely coming off as a play because why the fuck would you tell your husband or the father of the child on the most stressful day mm-hmm. of maybe his life maybe or or at least of the year instead of 
all the times you were having sex recently or when you had a huge fight when you were by yourselves or any of the other million times in the past whatever week or whatever this timeline is this is the time you choose to tell them like of course it seems like bullshit because like why would you do that like you're just saying that to say something more impactful i don't mean hurtful but more impactful than what he said and it's what a fucking jerk (laughs) ship is (laughs) yeah i mean they're all jerks but this was such a jerk move yeah we mentioned it a couple times where like when shiv is down in a fight she'll just start throwing punches and like it doesn't even matter if what she's saying is true or not so uh robbie i i i i i i (laughs) yeah i didn't get the the internet just going a fucking blaze at like hating tom for for you know kind of not dismissing but like wondering if this is an actual like play on her part or if it's true wait really but, the internet was all pissy about that well that was probably like three tweets you know those articles like, <laughs> yeah. people are go- saying people are saying it's like one person's like man tom you suck and i'm you know and that's it and then article over <laughs> so they weren't really going to blaze but anyway I mean, can I just play it up for the fucking viewers? <laughs> no, so I'm, I wasn't like calling you out. I'm genuinely no, I curious. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there was like one article, on, like maybe like Up Rocks, where it's like they show like three tweets. Yeah, people are saying. Yeah, people are talking, and it's like one guy from like Idaho. Internet destroys Tom Wom's game. <laughs> EGN destroyed Tom Wom's game. Please. Um, yeah, that's oh, right. Uh, yeah, so I like. Ryan said, I feel like I would have been in the same boat. Like, uh, is this a joke? Like, why are you telling me as I'm on cocaine? Well, as uh, <laughs> as my fucking, my touchscreens are going bananas in the background. We got one left. Touchscreen. And uh, I need, you know, I'm I'm freaking out about, you know, Milwaukee votes being destroyed. Yeah, I, I didn't, um, I didn't get it. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it was the perfect timing to say it. Like you guys, like you guys said, there was plenty of other opportunities to do that, but yeah, I mean, Shiv delivers some of the best facial reactions in the biz, mm-hmm. and uh, you could just see, you know, she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to say any words. You could just see the expressions on her face, and and that's what I, that's, I think it's one of my favorite things about Shiv as a character and the actress that plays her. I love when she just is like tilts her head or you know, smirks up and, you know, everything she does with her facial expressions can just freaking um, tell a story. So, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of her uh, revealing it then, but, you know, as the internet was also going crazy, like, oh my God, she did it on Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) So we got the Easter egg on Easter. And we got the mother on Mother's Day. What was the other one? We got something else, I think. But, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the facial expressions, like between her and the scene with when Kendall finds out about Shiv, oh the looks God. he's giving through uh, the meeting room, like he just said so much without even being in the room, you know, so credit to both of them. And in terms of Shiv's uh, facial expressions, because that's always something that they were that she gets a lot of recognition for when she does like that whole sassy face and knowing yeah. face and she's so good at it but this episode is the first time you really see it in her face that she's drowning she is drowning yeah. and the despair yeah. in her face is so good and i feel like i don't want to go deep into because i want to talk we're going to get to that scene obviously but we've all been there where we lie about something that we didn't do and then we get caught and we know we're about to get caught and we're like mm-hmm. oh fuck yeah 
the face she makes here. when she when when Kendall walks out of the room is just priceless. Oh yeah, we've been we've all been there, and, and the, the, our okey cookies in our gut is like, oh boy, it's <laughs> we're about to get fucking rocked here. Speaking of facial reactions, Ryan, I saw you make a little facial reaction to that statement that Robbie just made. Yeah, What's well, the best you guys you are liars. Listen, hey. What'd you say? Sorry. I said, what's the best lie you've ever told? Oh. <laughs> um, Good job on the pod, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Um, I have to think about it because it's definitely like when I was younger, I I don't really lie that much. Oddly, like well, there it is. We already got we got the best. <laughs> that's the biggest lie. <laughs> um I don't, know, I don't think I'm sure it was like something with my parents like getting away with something. And I probably yeah. I probably actually didn't get away with it, but I thought I did. All right, all right. I'll think so, about it. I'm sorry. Okay. It's your homework assignment. Uh <laughs> so Connor wants to reconsider. He uh wants to head a coup in old Peru. Love it. He wants to be put <laughs> In a van to Tajikistan. <laughs> and he could be our fun guy in Uruguay, as Robbie so eloquently reminded us in the beginning of this podcast. Um, not much to really discuss there, but just wanted to throw out those Connor lines because con heads. Uh, so there's no results. We get told that by Darwin that no results in Wisconsin can be valid until absentee ballots are counted. Uh, 100, about 100,000 are missing. Uh, Mencken's position is they will win Wisconsin. Kendall's undecided on what to do because Mencken will kill the Gojo deal. And right-wing news starts calling uh, Wisconsin for Mencken. So this is where we kind of get Roman starting to force his hand a little bit. Um, Robbie, what did you think about Roman's attitude this whole episode? And do you think it's more him being aligned with Mencken or it's strictly because of the gojo deal i man have i i mean i've done a lot of 180s on this show but nothing has prepared me for more hatred and vitriol towards roman than this episode i mean i was so into him you know i thought he was a sympathetic character early on especially on the mat in the mountain scene with uh matson but man what a piece of shit and and it's stupid yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to the writers because the show is so well written. But this is who he's always been. He's always been that this guy, this piece of shit. Um, especially in, I think it's the first or second episode when they're doing that that baseball game, yeah, the playing pilot. baseball with, with the uh, with that family, and he's just fucking these poor this poor family, and he's just shitting on them, playing and basically playing a game with them, and rips up the million dollar check right in front of their face. But I don't know. I think he's more in line with with Mankin and. And part of us to go to them because they have some weird, like fucking, like sexual tension going on. Those two. <laughs> and why is he getting eggplants sent to him? <laughs> exactly. Like if you, if you, I think it was season three when they were in like the bathroom together. I'm like, are these guys gonna have sex with each other? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was weird. But I also think it's, it's a power play now. He's, uh, he's, if he knows that he's in with the president and basically he's his go to, that it, it propels him potentially as the lone ceo and you know kendall you see that in the in future scenes like kendall of course is now worried about that obviously with the phone call but yeah i think it's more in line with probably 70 percent Mankin and 30 percent killing the gojo deal Aya, what do you think um i think 
throughout this whole there's something with Roman in his decision making process in this whole episode that I don't want to say short sightedness, but there's like a shallowness to his logic. And he just kept pushing. Like, I understand that, like, yeah, maybe he's aligned with it. But like the way he could just kept pushing and pushing Mencken and just pushing to get this called. Because to me, this whole episode, I'm honestly afraid that they fucked up calling Wisconsin. And it might bite them in the ass later on, um, and by and and like fuck the credibility of the of the network because they called too early. And I think Roman was just like he thinks that like oh could he, Logan, my dad did this, my dad did this, I can do this as well. There's like the shallowness into his decision making. He doesn't see big picture. He doesn't see the consequences of his actions. He only sees like this is what. I can do this is what I should do and like his whole forcing his hand for this it's like let's just do it let's just do it let's be badass it's so so shallow and you could really see it in this episode yeah Ryan what do you think yeah I think I agree with Ayo and I think maybe like I always do maybe I'm taking it a little too far where I think you're right where he's he's very he's very pushy with the with trot like no Mankin 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 because he knows that Mankin will kill the deal. Like, is there, like, so if Gojo takes over, is Jerry then protected from whatever? Like, he, I think, maybe wants to steer clear of that whole Jerry situation, maybe just pay her off and get the fuck out. If Gojo's not involved, there's more uh, power for him to, like, try and make those decisions. Or maybe it's something else. That's just the first thought that popped in my mind is is like having something to do with jerry but i i think it was more mankin than than being um gojo than being like aligned with mankin i don't think he really gives a shit like about the politics at all uh i think it's something with he wants control he wants to be the lone ceo something or just hates mattson so much that he just anything to get rid of him i don't know well, also, I think it's because, like, on the other scenario, he has no leverage. Right. He has zero, like, at, at least with, with like, Jimenez, Kendall can see a, a path away, way out of it. Shiv can see a pathway out of it. But, right. like, with Roman, he has nothing on that side. He has all his eggs in a basket with with Mencken. So, like, he has to. He has to drive it home. Yeah. 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 I think I I think it's, like Ryan said, it's it's 100% Gojo related. I You know, I think. Kendall sold him on this dream of killing the deal and and ruling the company together. Um, and he's just got that in his head, even though I don't think Roman really wants that much power. I, th- I think if he got the power, he doesn't really know what to do with it. We kind of saw how awkward he was with it the first couple of days as CEO. Um, I think he's just kind of sold on that dream. Yeah, but too much power is better than zero. Right. Um, so another kind of scene that I wanted to point out or not scene, but a couple of lines I wanted to point out was just a quick interaction between Tom, Shiv and Kendall, where Tom tells Shiv, you sound a little unhinged. And then Kendall <laughs> fucking fires back and says, you fucking watch it, Tom. I just thought that that was like a pretty badass uh, moment. As a yeah, little was sister, great. I loved watching that. And like, oh. That's something Katie, like... Katie would do for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Sorry, uh, what were you gonna say? No, go ahead. Go, yeah. No, I, I was gonna say something. Oh, but also, I think that's that's why 
out of any out of anyone these past few episodes you've really seen the bond between um Shiv and Kendall right so towards the end and, and I guess the next scene that's going to come up it will really like drive the point of the betrayal that Kendall will feel from Shiv because more and more they're starting to be like the the whole Shivy honey the whole like watch it Tom you know what I mean like mm-hmm. there's like this protectiveness that like Kendall's starting to feel again for Shiv and then all of a sudden you know so, yeah, I don't, I know we're getting to these things, but do you think I'm surprised Shiv did not bring up the pregnancy when she got caught? Me too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I just thought of that, but the Shivy honey stuff, like, like to for her to be a, like look sympathetic or or whatever to her brother, thought, or at least deflect a little bit. I thought she was yeah. about to in that like closet scene, like after the talk with Tom, and then the moment where Kendall's like, "Do you want us to kill Tom?" I thought she was going to oh, say right. it at that moment, but like, yeah. she didn't. Well, that's where she kind of starts undermining Tom there too, yeah. where she tells him, you know, Tom's hiding something or he can't be trusted. I forget exactly what it was. Um, but next up, we get the the Shiv and Greg scene, which we discussed a little, little bit. Um, but then we go back to Tom's war room um, after we find out that Mencken 100% will block the deal for favorable election co- uh, coverage. So Roman goes to Tom. And they decide to call it for uh, call Wisconsin for Mencken with caveats, and then poor old Darwin gets wasabied, and then Lemon Lacroix. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to point that at one point when he's wiping his face and he's trying to get the Lacroix out, he just randomly goes into a Woody Allen. He's like, "It's on my fingers." <laughs> I also love the like all the the Lacroix jokes happening. It was like you boy put lemon water in it. Like it's barely lemon. Uh, <laughs> a hint of lemon. Lemon essence. Robbie, as our resident person on the podcast that gets things in people's eyes. <laughs> oh. Look out! Look out! <laughs> What would you have suggested Greg use to get the uh, wasabi out of his eye? Oh, that's tough. Um, how about some eye drops, maybe? <laughs> but in a, if you're in a pinch. If I'm in a pinch? Oh, that's tough. Maybe some soy sauce? I don't know. Get the, I mean, it's, <laughs> it works well together. Yeah, I mean, if you start if, dipping some salmon in his eye. Yeah, does he, does he have any? If he have any water, I guess the LaCroix wasn't really a... Uh, a good thing i would probably just use water i mean as a person who's you know been been known to spray things in people's eyes i don't you know i just get a little <laughs> little towel and tell them to take a hike i don't know it's tough a tough scene um but i mean i think this was like a, a much needed moment of levity in the episode and i feel like it comes about halfway through the episode so uh just a funny i i, I forgot to pull his name but shout out to the actor that plays darwin i was gonna ask you where is he from uh, he he is he was Walter White's ex-partner. That's it. There you go. That, that he started Grey Matter with. Thank you. I had no idea. And Adam those, those, Godley. Those, those ears remind me of somebody. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw some people shouting him out online for a bunch of other things he's played in recently. I think he was like the something in Russia where he's just like this unhinged character. Like this is just such a 180. It's called for, The Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a not a great show, but it's entertaining. It's good. Nicholas Holt's very good in it. Um, but yeah, it's about Tsarist Russia. It's he's good in it. Uh, this guy, Adam Godley. Yeah, he's like he's one of those guys, too. And, you know, I think other people have mentioned it's so good for succession. Like they get these I don't want to call them B 
B-level actors, but they're like good character actors that pop up mm-hmm. in a lot of places and they don't like steal the scene just by being in it. Like uh, Adrian Brody or, you know, even Skarsgård to some point, like you kind of like, oh, wow, he's in this. Um, Fisher Stevens, probably one of them, like just guys that are popular and you recognize them for a lot of things, but they just add so much to the show in such like a little uh, period of time. Two things. <clears throat> Sorry. Go. Um, one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a bit. I was LOL and on my couch, man. That was so fucking funny. Yeah. Just, um, just so great. Like the, the most powerful people in the world are so stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Really? Like, I'm like, what's Greg doing with this wasabi? Thing? And, and all of a sudden, uh, Darwin gets it in his eyes. And then I know it's not in the same scene, but speaking of LaCroix and, and drinks, Benny, as a resident bartender, a man with the plan. What you? Oh, and Ron. Gee, I'm so sorry. Okay, both <laughs> you. As a resident, resident cocktails, Tom Cruise and the other guy in, in cocktails. <laughs> um, what's your take on uh, Madsen stirring his drink with his uh, index finger? I think if you're home alone and you're making a drink from yourself, fair play. If okay. you start doing that for you know, yes, even if sir. you do it for your wife, you're you're teetering a little bit. But if you're by yourself making a drink. Uh, no ice though. Oh, I was about Did to I say. That? I was about <laughs> I to say that, was, that was the the more egregious thing. What about yeah. you think, right? Why would you stir a drink with no ice? <laughs> well, to mix up the alcohol, I could see. Me, it. Yeah, you, right, you don't right. need to, but no, you know, no cl- uh, warm club soda and warm vodka. That oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm shivering right now just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, any thoughts on the Darwin experience before we move on? Did you I guys think, uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but with Darwin in general, because we don't have to maybe mention him later. Do you think that he was upset about, I ha- who did I have this argument with? Somebody. Mankin or the just the unethical way they went about it? I think it was the, the ethics thing. I think because he was constantly trying to, in the beginning, throw up like guardrails. And, you know, you see just how quickly when they're the power players in the room, if they, what they say goes. So as much as he wants to kind of uh, do the right thing, they're not letting him. Right. And, you know, he could have at any point probably just quit and went and told the story, like, which, you know, you would expect someone to do in that position, but it it goes to show you, I mean, even what we've been seeing in this country with Fox news and all that kind of stuff about how, you know, once the power players start saying things are going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he or other people like I think I mentioned it just before, like there's going to be fallout from this and we, you know, maybe we'll see what happens or we won't. I mean, you mentioned Fox News. They just paid three quarters of a billion dollars for a lawsuit. And I I don't think anything's going to happen. Yeah. Um, So Ravenhead goes full Tucker Carlson on the. uh (laughs) The points that Roman sends to him. Uh, and then we get to the division uh, decision that ATN is going to call Wisconsin for Mankin. They say they're going to caveat it and, and say that the call is pending, but we don't see any of that. Um, and after that happens, uh, Mankin wants to ro- continue to ride his wave. So he gives in to Connor and Connor concedes. Saddest moment of the show, personally, oh, in the whole in the all four episodes, uh, four seasons. 
Uh, we find out Connor's running mate screwed him. And America, Two of them. You, you flunked it. <laughs> <laughs> but beware and get ready because the con heads are coming. Uh, Ryan, I'm sure now you've witnessed a bunch of elections in your life. Is this the best or the worst concession speech you've ever seen? Um, it's the most entertaining. I'll say <laughs> that. Um, yeah, I mean, just I, I get what Mankin was trying to do. I just think it's just kind of ridiculous. Like, is he really gonna give him that much of a bump by conceding? Like, I guess it's just kind of like part of the narrative. Like, it helps. It helps the yeah. the train chug along a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was definitely the saddest concession speech I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, he's a billionaire. Sorry. Yeah, I guess <laughs> crying into his hundred dollar bills, which I don't uh, get. Why does he want to be a fucking ambassador just to like, go do something like go fucking spend your money. Eh, it's just, you know, one of the, you know, rich people, they need to be doing something. Well, you uh, don't want to, you don't want to have lunch in, in Venice and a little, <laughs> little breakfast in Drubnik. <laughs> uh robbie what did you think about the concession speech well as con had number two on the show it broke my heart into a million pieces um i remember crying as a young five-year-old when michael dukakis lost uh against george bush i picked dukakis in our kindergarten pool <laughs> it was devastating till this day i remember so um i guess his concession speech is up there with maybe john mccain um maybe hillary clinton and you know uh walter mondale shout out mondale how you doing um, <laughs> but i mean Carter's is the best uh, he's he's really inching towards mvp of the season the lines i mean this the soliloquies he was dropping this week and then just another one of my favorite lines of all time on this show that really fucking just made me laugh out loud is when frank said Connor was running for president. <laughs> <laughs> we also get that line from Hugo too when Jimenez is giving a speech and he's like, all right, pull your dick out of something, <laughs> pop out a nut. <laughs> uh, now that's right, the room do? that I would like to have been in. Yeah, the room oh with like God. Frank, Old Hugo, heads. all them. Uh, I right, what do you think about the Connor concession? Ah, uh, you know, sad day for America, but. <laughs> Just remember, con hands are coming. Oh, yeah. Con hands are coming. They definitely are. Uh, so we see that there are going to be, uh, excuse me, we see that ATN has the numbers to call Arizona for Mencken, which pa- causes Kendall to pause because this is, they're boxed in now because they've ca- already called Wisconsin and this is going to give Mencken the election. Um, Ken and Roman have an argument about chicken and steak. Uh, and... <laughs> <clears throat> then Ken breaks off to talk to Shiv. Uh, Ken tells Shiv, you know, he's completely honest with her, probably the most honest any of the siblings have been to each other in the whole show. Um, and he says that he thinks probably part of the reasons he's pulling back from Mencken a little bit is he's threatened of the relationship that Roman and Ke- uh, that Roman and Mencken have. And Shiv tells Ken that he's a good guy. Um, and then we we mentioned that line before. When when Ken's talking about being a bad father, he says that maybe the poison drips through. And he finishes with Shiv asking to call Nate, and she fakes it. 
So before we get into the fallout of that, I what did you think of the situation between Roman and Kendall and then Kendall and Shiv? So like as I said earlier, I, I really think that the calling of Wisconsin and subsequently getting boxed in to call Arizona and call the election is going to have a fallout. It's going to challenge the legitimacy of ATN, which if you challenge the, the legitimacy of ATN, it kind of fucks their company. Um, and I don't think they that's why that's why I say I think Roman is very short-sighted and shallow in his thinking, because that's something that you could have pulled back. You know what I mean? Um, but the talk between Roman and Shiv, oh, the talk between yeah. um Ken and Shiv, I think was so important because this was when I say that, like sometimes Roman uh, uh, Kendall doesn't know when he when if he's a good guy or a, or a be- the best guy because like there's moments of him that he wants to be the good guy. The fact that he felt secure enough to be vulnerable to Shiv to say that hi, I have thoughts about like cutting you all off and taking this all in. That took a lot of vulnerability and trust in Shiv to do that i don't think that was a play at that moment i honestly thought that was like kendall feeling out if at the end of all of this um shiv will have his back and we'll see later on that you know but that was so interesting and it made the next scene a little more heartbreaking if you think about it no ryan what'd you think yeah no i agree with i like it definitely makes you know what we've seen the base i think it's the next interaction with shiv and kendall is like a little bit tougher because it's like he opens up a little bit um they have a she tells him he's a good guy and then he finds out that she's been fucking him behind you know their backs and everything um yeah i don't, I don't really have anything more to add to that robbie what do you think about these two conversations well, Benny, first off, and as a resident guy who comes a lot, um, <laughs> uh, can you let me know on the average, how many con heads do you think are coming? Well, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking maybe four, five, six percent of the population <laughs> of, of Arkansas, of, Alaska, well, Alaska. About the population of the U.S. Oh. I mean, by the time 2028 rolls around, I think it's where you know it's going to be a con revolution. Oh, forget about it. It's going to be a con gasm. Um, what I like about this show sometimes is is they don't do it a lot, but when they they do you know, divulge in their upbringing, you could see like how these people, you know, turned out, right? Like Roman still fuming about not getting steak because Kendall always wanted chicken. And then Kendall's like, well, you know, we didn't want you to always get your way the entire time. And then like be the spoiled brat. So the upbringing stuff I I love because it, it shows you like who each character is and how they got to, to, to who they are as a, as a person. And their thought process. Um, I do. I did love the scene with Shiv and Kendall. I don't know if I think Shiv meant it, but I also think she was trying to play both sides of it and just you know, just trying to get her way with the whole Jimenez and and winning the election and trying to get that deal with Gojo through. 
So I do think she had an ulterior motive with it. I do believe that she does care about Kendall. But I mean, <clears throat> Shiv, Shivy baby, just call fucking Nate. Yeah, just, right? Come on. Just say, well, she didn't want to. No, but just say, hey, <clears throat> listen, if anything happens, if Kendall calls, if potentially calls about a Gojo deal, just say you, you're, you're thinking about it and or just lie. When she w- <clears throat> did the whole, this number you've reached is not in service. And I'm like, yeah. oh, Shivy baby. Who needs to do that. And yeah. I'm like, you just stay fucking up, Shiv. I mean, you're such a, you think you're such a power player and all of them are just a bunch of idiots. And you, you saw it throughout this entire episode. Yeah. So did I, th- I didn't think that it was going to come back to bite her in the ass, but that's just me being a stupid idiot and I should know better. <laughs> but it set up one of the most, not, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but a very intense scene in that in that boardroom. Yeah. Do you I, think, I kind of... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, say, like, Shiv has... She tries to scheme all the time right. and has never once succeeded at any fucking schemes. It just constantly blows up in her face. And I think the... So her ultimate... Even though she's trying to act like she's doing certain things for we'll talk about this in a minute but like democracy blah blah blah. she doesn't want she wants her menace to win but then also for them to not block because she wants Matson to take over right and i think she was getting played by Matson, and you know wasn't i don't know she's just she thinks she's this fucking chess master and she can't even win at checkers yeah, I was going to when I was thinking about this episode, I I wanted to just call the episode stupid chess because yeah. like they keep boxing each other in with their fuck ups yeah. and like their pieces are getting moved around the board. But it's not out of, you know, a smart move here, a smart move there. Like they just keep forcing each other to There's have no to make strategy, dumbass moves. Yeah. And, you know, we see where it leads in this next scene. Um, I, I was going to say, I actually forget what I was going to say, but uh, let's move on. Um, so Shiv says that there might be something there with Jimenez. So this is what I was going to say. Um, Shiv wants so badly to be the power player that, that you're saying. She lets that, almost like Roman and Kendall, she lets that big move blind them from actually thinking about the problem. And I think that that's what we've, you know, we've been seeing this whole episode and this whole season. Like they... They have that moment of the three of them realizing that what they can do together is probably really good, but they keep getting blinded by their own stupidity. Um, So Kendall wants something more firm and he decides to call Nate. Uh, And then he finds out Shiv's lied about calling. (laughs) Greg Greg dimes out Shiv and gives the smirk of the cinch as he walks (laughs) away. And then... uh, Kendall freaks out and commits to Mencken, uh, and ATN calls it for Mencken. So, what did you guys think about this whole fight scene, Robbie? Or I, you want to go? Can for I it? just first yeah. say go. the those few seconds of no dialogue, Kendall's face, Greg's face, Shiv's face. One of the best acting in television history. It was so good. It was so powerful. It was so palpable. And then you felt so uncomfortable seeing it and watching it. No dialogue whatsoever. It's so good. <laughs> Shiv, Shiv just knew she was caught. She was just like, oh, yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. 
fuck, fuck. <laughs> and she's trying to keep that conversation with Roman going, but she's like clearly not there at all. Yeah, just paying attention to, <clears throat> to them. Robbie, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, we've all been there, right? We've all been caught in a lie and knew it was coming and knew Never. we fucked up. <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, it was like I said, it was just no words and brilliantly acted and brilliantly shot. And like when Kendall just looks over, over his shoulder back into the room and Shiv just is like, I, I, oi boy. And uh, <laughs> it was great. And it just, you know, I love those scenes. And like when you, I mean, I don't even know if you want to call it secondhand embarrassment when you, but when you get so nervous for somebody yep. and you're like, oh man, I feel so bad for this person, even though <laughs> she's a, she's an idiot, but it was great. And then fucking Greg, man. What a herb. He 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 annoys the shit out of me. But he's just always weaseling his way in and out of everything. And he's he just always and I don't want to say coming on top, but there's no consequences for any of his actions. He just fucking yeah. does they it. Always and, get forgotten about it, yeah. it feels like. And I mean, I get it. Shiv just probably for four seasons has just shitted on him. So I understand where he's coming from, but the guy just guy just stays stays winning and coming out on top of the things he does. Yeah, but she told him she was going to rip her, his organs out or something stupid. Like, I don't understand. Like, why make threats like that when you know that you can't follow through with them? I think, but the, I think Greg sees this as the kill shot. Yeah. And if he pulls this off, like, there's going to be nothing that Shiv can do at that point. And it goes back to the line that Tom tells him in the beginning of the episode, yep. like store that information and then hit them in the face with it. And, you know, you're, you're led to think that something like that, can, you know, you wait months, years until it's finally time to pull out that information, but you know, you could save it and it only has to be for a couple hours. So instead of, you know, actioning on it right away, even just waiting a couple hours paid off for Greg in that moment. Yeah, that's true. And I think too, you know, Robbie, you said that you didn't think it was going to blow up in Shiv's face that quickly, but we know that Kendall is like so desperate. And as soon as she came in there saying that it was like on the fence with Jimenez, I was like, he's going to call. He's yeah, going to call and, and try to get it like confirmed. And I'm like, and, she, and she's fucked and she's fucked. And, you know, just that whole again, you know, we talk about the acting between Shiv and, and, and Kendall, just the, the way that he like goes after her in that scene when, he, when she calls her like a piece of piece dirt of dirt. Yeah. yeah. And like, ah, uh, it just, it was uh, so good. I thought it was such a great scene. It was fantastic. I agree. I loved, I loved seeing it. I love when people get caught when people, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I hate Kendall too, but seeing Shiv get caught with her stupid schemes <laughs> was very satisfying to me. Yeah. And I look forward um, to, for Roman and Kendall getting caught with this stupidity. Fine. As a resident snitch, yeah. <laughs> what do you rate Greg's uh, snitchness scale in that scene? Uh, uh, I'd say it's a 9 out of 10 wasabis. Great nice. snitch. <laughs> it, it not only killed Shiv, but probably propelled Greg into an even bigger role with Ken. Uh, or maybe, I mean, see, I don't, I, I'd love to see how this plays out because Greg might be in with Matson now and Ken. So like, and, but, but who's, what's his goal? Is it just 
get power like the rest of them, but like, or, or what, or like prove something to his grandfather that like he can make something of himself and he doesn't need his money or something. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's smart enough to know what his motivation is, but I also kind of sneaky think he might. And he, like I said, this is like the first theory I had was that Greg maybe is not as stupid as we think or as he portrays. Um, but then he does things that I'm like, yeah, he's that stupid. So I really don't know. Yeah, I, I just think he, you know, Tom, all these lessons that Tom taught him, he takes to heart. And I mean, and you see that episode after Logan dies where Tom pretty much tries to latch on to everybody and anyone that he can because he doesn't know uh, where he stands. And I think that right. that's where Greg's at. Like, he's just going to find he's going to kiss ass to everybody that could potentially be somebody. And the second he sees an opportunity to knock somebody out or to benefit himself, he, he's going to take it because yeah. he was all about the quad squad at one point yeah. and, you know, closing up to all three of them. But he but said, I think in an episode or two ago, he said team Kenro. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was, you know, he was about, the I don't quad think he was cutting out was. Shiv. He was just cause they're the CEOs, but I mean, it that all changed when um Shiv threatened them because like he he said something to Tom and it wasn't like accusatory, it was just like, Hey, you know about this? And of course, Tom's like, Not only are you talking about, which I mean, shout out to Tom for still, like we said last week, like still not diming out your wife, even though she told you you're a piece of shit the night before. Yeah, um, so I, I don't know if if Shiv attacking him was the catalyst or if he just saw an opportunity or like overheard Ken talking to Nate. I don't know. Yeah. Robbie, any thoughts? I don't know. I don't really know. I don't know. I, I'm just so confused sometimes with Greg. I'm also confused. I, I don't know how the show's going to end. So I'm kind of pissed off about that. I thought I had a good inkling of it, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like my ending theory is blown up now, hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you, like I feel like there's not going to be if it's if it's true what they say and it's it's uh, just ten days or whatnot. It's not you're not going to get any you know resolution on the election. Uh, you're not going to get any, any resolution on that. So what's really what could really happen unless they time jump a couple of weeks ahead or a couple of months ahead in episode 10 who knows but yeah i don't know i don't know greg you suck so as we mentioned atn calls it for mankin uh mankin goes full evil in his victory speech uh and i have a question ryan for you if you have to say i'm not a demagogue in your speech <laughs> are you a demagogue uh <laughs> i'd say that when you say most things that i'm not x that probably means that you're ex. Yeah. Demagogue or other. Um, I just thought that that speech was like so fucking creepy. Like he, like yeah. the way he, the way he act, you know, obviously props to the actor, but he just made it seem like, Oh fuck. Like this is not going anywhere. Good. Um, I guess this is a good, as good a time to bring it up as any, because it's the end of the episode, but I truly think that, you know, as much as everybody wants to spin it as he won the election, by no means do I think it's it's anywhere close to being over. And I think that 
Tom's, I guess, second in command. I, I don't know who that that woman was. I think it was the first time we saw her. And this episode mentions that, you know, all this stuff is going to get litigated out. Um, and, you know, I, I could see to Aya's point where it's ultimately what could help start bringing down ATN. You guys have any thoughts? I agree um, with that. Go ahead, I think I think why I got, like, really, why I love this episode so much towards the end of it was, like, that ending with them calling Mencken and how it all played out and everyone's reaction to it, it felt like a lived through experience because of how 20, was it 2018? 2016. 2016 played out. Um, it felt like, I don't know if you guys have seen um, Get Me Roger Stone, but yeah. It's that documentary on Netflix. I was watching this episode unfold and I had the exact same feelings as watching it. I was sick to my stomach watching it. Um, it's hard to wrap your head around that this is what's happening and it's disgusting. And it had that same somber feeling that when, because that's so vivid to me after the day after the election, I went, you're, you're in New York City. I go into the office and there's it's like a fucking funeral procession. There's like a sadness in the air. No one's talking. You know what I mean? Like it's it's and that's what it felt like when they called Mencken. And that's why it's like hit like maybe a lot of people were exaggerated about it. It was like, oh, PTSD or whatever. But like it kind of felt like a lived through experience. Yeah, when we see that, you know, they draw so much from real life and I'm sure that that was a heavy influence. But yeah, yeah they, uh, and it was like, like as you can see, like no, like Roman doesn't care, like the ramifications that it's going to cause. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, people of of color with the this election and calling this election, um, like he says to Kendall, "Dad's dead, nothing matters." So he doesn't give a shit. All he cares about is getting that deal, that Gojo deal, fucking um, ruined. And he, he's like, "We got whatever we said about like access to the West Wing and things like that." So. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, like watching it unfold because you know that that's this is exactly what it's like in real life, and how it plays out. And like we said, with the pun, America decides. It's like, yeah, but do we? I mean, you saw that shit in in twenty twenty with uh, with uh, Trump calling Rupert Murdoch to to not to basically like Not not call Arizona for for Biden. And then, like, even in his psychotic speech at like one o'clock in the morning, like mm-hmm. thinking that he won and shit, and stop the stop the count. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just insane. And then people go along with it, but that's yeah. why I love this show because it's like it just it just draws parallels from actual real life experiences. Um, can I also say why I kind of like this particular episode? Why I loved it so much? It's because like, so this whole show is like tagged as a tragedy right like it's you're watching all these people self-destruct and within themselves like fight and destroy each other which is basically what a tragedy is but usually when you like think about a tragedy like in the shakespearean sense in which is like the show is often parallel to like king lear or stuff you think think about king lear and macbeth and all these other classic tragedies it's always like self-contained and it's always very within you know it's the it's like you're what you're watching for example a royal family crumble and just like destroy themselves from within 
But this episode, and that's what we've been watching throughout Succession. It's just this family destroying each other. Each other. But this episode is the first episode that you really see. All this mess has real world consequences in this world. And that it's so much bigger than them. And all this nonsense is going to destroy people. You know, it's going to yeah. destroy a country. And that, like, is what really like okay this show is like higher stakes it created like it created this drama into like a higher stakes situation which is amazing or is amazing writing for me yeah i think that's what we were saying before too we're like you know we see we saw these three idiots for four seasons and yeah they were doing dumb stuff but it wasn't really you know logan was always there to like put the cap on it and you know, even if they did mess up a situation, it wasn't something that was going to affect anybody but the family or the company. But now, you know, as soon as Logan dies, they're put in this position that affects the whole entire company and they couldn't be less equipped to handle it. Yeah, that's true. I totally agree with that. And they're falling apart. So like we said, they're stronger <laughs> together. Whoever's left, if it's Roman and Kendall or just Roman or just Kendall, like, and I think Aya has said it a few times, like, there's going to be fallout from this. They even said at the very end of the episode, they were calling out Tom specifically on like other yeah. news stations. So like, prop, my guess is the people who is like, Tom's going to get crucified uh, if it Darwin, leaks, possibly Darwin. And if it leaks Roman. I wouldn't be shocked if if it does leak and, um, you know, Greg could easily conveniently tell someone that, oh, Tom was doing fucking coke like in the in the office before he was on the floor and Roman was feeding lines to Ravenhead. And like, you know, it all these things could easily leak and make ATN weak. And then who the fuck knows maybe maybe they will and one of them will end up ceo of like a just a crumbling company i think though it's it's to me what stood out at the end of the episode was the whole episode tom was like i make the call i make the call this is my call this is my call and then when it came down to them actually making the call and when kendall says it's you know it's Mencken, and tom very much like points out like all right this is your call like, fucking conscious pilot yeah like, this is your call then like i think he's gonna try to have some deniability in the whole thing i think that's why he's not so bothered when he sees all those headlines like yeah. he calls it out but i think he he thinks he has an ace up his sleeve when you know it comes time to answer for what happened that night yeah he very easily could do that conscious pilot <laughs> <laughs> um so the last thing we see is ken in the in the car going home we're going to see his kids we don't really know but the he last thing he see says, his kids <laughs> yeah he says he wants to but yeah one uh, of them probably know his kids maybe he's talking about the two bags of cocaine he has the house <laughs> um <laughs> he says some people can't cut a deal who do you guys think that he was talking about ryan you know i thought that too like when he said that i was like who the fuck is he talking about we had to rewind that because, like, we didn't know what he was saying. It was apparently the driver's name. Yeah, yeah. talking to the driver. But go yeah. ahead, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. Um, I guess he could be talking about Shiv because 
she was trying to cut deals and it just fell apart. And she also, you know, didn't try to make the deal with Nate. Uh, she could be talking. He could be talking about himself. He could be talking about Roman. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think he's talking about Minkin. I yeah, think he, why? I, I think he thinks that when it comes time to play ball, I think Mencken is going to fuck with them. I think you're right. I thought that too. Like, like Mencken said, like, you know, you'll have access and this and that, but I think in the end, he's going to be like fucking Trump where he's like makes deals, but then just does what he wants anyway. Yeah. And, and not like, not like, and I don't even think it's going to be in the sense, maybe not so much that he fucks them like personally, but he sees how, I guess, I, you know, I don't want to throw the word fascist around, you know, so easily yet because we haven't seen the guy do anything, but he right. sees his tendencies. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's what a lot of the stuff we saw with Trump was he could have gotten more stuff done if he knew how to cut deals with people. Right. And he had people that were willing to oppose him. And, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what Trump wanted to do, you know, he was able to do some things, but to the biggest things that he needed to make deals for, he couldn't do it. And right. if if that's who Roman and Kendall are depending on, he might not be able to come through for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like if he's exactly like him, then yeah, it sucks. He's in the White House, but like nothing's not much of consequence, I should say will maybe come to pass, but um, if he's somewhat capable of doing anything and like, and the other thing is they, you know, they're calling him fascist and stuff like that, but that word gets thrown around a lot. I'm not saying that some people aren't fascist, but like just cause someone's right wing doesn't mean necessarily that they're a fascist. Like, I don't think we know any of Mencken's policies really. Do we like, do, do we get into, anything he really says like yeah his speech was unhinged but it didn't like say that i'm a fascist i, yeah, I don't know I mean, he didn't maybe i'm missing exactly, something I, I, he didn't say exactly what he was going to do i think it's i mean that they're using it in the context where they've seen this whole election play out you know like we don't necessarily know obviously they didn't spend time on it but you see him talking about like all the people getting welfare and kind of alluding yeah, to like true. like you know like the, you see those criticisms of jewish people like the kind of the you know he's talking about making deals backroom deals and stuff like that and he's not that kind of person so i feel like they kind of allude to it like i said though you know obviously we don't know for sure what he would do we don't think it's going to be anything good but we right. just don't know how bad it could be yeah, Didn't right. they lay the groundwork for him in that episode where they were like choosing the next president yeah that's why she was so afraid of yeah, him because he like he spouted a bunch of like white supremacist shit and and neo Nazi shit. Yeah. yeah, was he? I yeah, I mean I don't remember. I'm just the only. I'm just thinking Shiv might be an unreliable narrator or unreliable source of information. She might say he's a piece of shit and doesn't like him that he's bad for the country. But like, is I'm not saying he isn't. He might be, but uh, you know I don't know. I I think I kind of want to rewatch it, but I'm pretty sure like it, it came that? from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, that's yeah, I mean, probably. Yeah, that's probably. I just may not be remembering. Yeah. Robbie, who do you think can't cut a deal? <laughs> I don't as know. A resident deal maker. <laughs> as the as the wheeler and deal of the backroom deals. Again, like I said in 
going great. Shout out Alexander Hamilton. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I really don't. I'm being. A, I don't. I don't know if it's Mankin. I don't know if it's Jimenez. I don't know if it's Chevy Baby. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't even know what the hell he said, but it was basically he was just saying to his driver. He called, I guess he called his driver by his his name at the end when he said people can't just cut deals, and I forgot the guy's name. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't have an answer for that. I I could take a guess, and I would say Shiv, maybe or Jimenez because Jimenez didn't want to cut the deal, and basically he could have basically. Ken could have swayed that, you know, by not calling uh, Wisconsin for Mankin. So maybe that's what he's talking about. Because yeah, I th- I think I think he would have um, went with Jimenez if Jimenez kind of w- was willing to, you know, kill that Gojo deal. Any thoughts mm-hmm. about the deal? Or- oh, but like before we move on, though, I kind of want to like point out like it's h- how nice of a touch it was that little scene between Greg and, and Jess um, before like Greg, like what, what does he call it? Like pushes the button and he has like that little moment with Jess, which by the way, I'm very team Jess. Like I love Jess the way that she is able to pull out shit from thin air for Kendall been there since day one oh, yeah. first episode. Like she's, mm, I love that girl. Um, but it's so it's just like a nice touch i thought where in like everything that was happening on this episode was just like right here on top and there it's so intense and everything's just happening here and here and here and then you just have that like little sober moment between like okay we're calling an election it's just that little let's take a beat thought that was really nice another one with, and- with with the fantastic facial expressions that doesn't say much but you can read you can read her face and it it you could freaking kill a room. <laughs> so uh any final thoughts on the episode, guys? Plummy, baby. Um <laughs> uh, still around the same. I again I love discuss I I would discuss watching paint dry with you guys and probably have a good time. <laughs> so I loved discussing it more than I loved watching it. I just, I'm, I really feel like I'm having an existential crisis about this because I value all, like all three of you, I value your opinion and the fact that you guys loved it. And I'm just like, yeah, it was okay. Like, what does that say about me? I don't know. I think, I think it's, you hate these people so much that you can't, Mm -hmm. I like, I think that's what I mean. But, but I should, like the commentary on people that are pieces of shit and the and the, like the black humor and I don't know I don't know but but still I recognize that it's a good show you know it's just not like you know eights and nines all the time for me but whatever uh, I'm gonna need you to create a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> on what okay. you found on your self reflections on the series wrap up episode all right I'll do that. <laughs> Um, one, one shit, one final thought I had, and now I lost it because I was talking about existentialism. Uh, oh yeah. You said it quick before Benny. I think all of our theories are kind of blown up after this episode. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next two. feels like, but I kind of like it. Yeah, for sure. Um, we talked about them sticking the landing. 
in the beginning, you know, when we first started talking about uh, Logan dying, right. where do you, what do you kind of think about that at this point, Ryan? Like if they're going to stick the landing or not, if they're going to stick the landing, is it like changing your thoughts on the whole? I don't you know. know Cause whole... I'm, I feel like I have a feeling that this is going to end, whether the ending is good or bad. There's going to be a lot left on the table that people are going to be like, what about this? What about this? Unless they do so. I think Robbie mentioned it before. Like maybe they'll do some kind of time jump a couple weeks or something. But I don't know. These people are smarter than me. I'm sure they'll figure something out and we'll just decide if we like it or not. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, do you think they're like, is it heading towards a good landing or is the is the you know long jumper like flailing in the air right now i think that because we're we're left with a lot of questions going into the last two episodes i think they're doing their job like right. just give me give me give me something good that's not like out of left field and ridiculous and i'm i'm pretty happy with how we got there what about you robbie i am <clears throat> torn i don't know what's gonna happen um i just think it's gonna they're just gonna be a couple scumbags ruining the world um <laughs> i would like a nice time job because i don't know how i don't know how they can land it in two days or what what would be like they're just gonna they're just gonna forget about the gojo deal it's not it's gonna you're gonna be in limbo with, for the series to end I yeah don't like know. so the next episode's gotta be the funeral so that's a whole episode and then I episode don't think it's going to be the whole episode, though. I think no. it's going to be like the beginning, twenty minutes yeah. tops. Right. Of so, the but even still, the, if it's a the, day and the a half, Kendall, the Roman speech, up, they're going to wrap up the deal in a day and a half. Well, we know that the last episode's an hour and a half, and I'm sure that this next one is going to be probably over an hour. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they certainly can. It'll just be like, is the ending going to be? satisfying for fans or not well we see too like you know to the gojo deal shiv you know it kind of as her last resort they're gonna just come out with the mats and numbers the india stuff and you know that could fuck the deal pretty quickly yeah yeah i mean the fastest way to wrap up this deal and i don't mean make the deal happen but is to just make it go away and then it's almost like we're back to just waste our and then we'll see what happens with the three kids or something, I guess. I don't know. Final thoughts, anybody? Or should we get on to playing America's top two favorite games? One last thought I just had was, uh, I'm sorry if I just cut you off, Robbie. Um, Uh, Please, please. You used to, you used to. (laughs) I was going to say, I almost, in in a masochistic way, or not a masochistic way, but like a, a kid burning ants way. I almost hope they fuck up the ending because I would enjoy people <laughs> flipping out. <about> it. <laughs> You're rooting for a bad ending. Like just because like, I don't love the show. Like, like you guys, um, I think it would be funny to watch like the internet blow up about the ending. Like it, it would be like, like how people on the outside of game of Thrones saw all the fans mm. flipping out about how that ended. I wonder what that'll be. It um, it might be interesting to be on the outside looking in. Yeah. Ty, what were you gonna say, Robbie? No, I just I was just basically can't wait to see what happens. Oh yeah, agree. Um, 
So should we play the fastest growing ga- two games in America? Let's do it. Um, what should we start with? Ah, yeah, I'll let you choose. Do should we start with the serious person of the week or the shit show at the fuck factory? I think there's more interesting shit show of the factory this week. So let's start off with a serious person, right? I love it. And would you like to go first or last? Ah. Uh, I think I can go last. Okay. Yeah, because I'm not prepared. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot right, to prepare for this part. <laughs> so then who goes first? So I went first last week. I think does it might Rob, be you. Does Robbie or me go first? I think it might be me. I think it is. Maybe maybe by the time the show ends, we'll, <laughs> we'll write these things down. <laughs> no, I might right. do it now. No, nah, fuck it. Uh, so the first game we're going to play is the Logan Roy Memorial Serious Person of the Week Award. And this award goes to the person we think won this week or the best character this week. So, Robbie, would you please like to regale us with your choice? Yeah, the Logan Roy shit show <laughs> memorial <laughs> fun person of the week. <laughs> Did I get it right? Uh, Close. I, you know I don't like picking. Um, you know I don't like picking people back to back. I know I picked what's his name last week. I don't want to reveal my. So I'm not going to pick, pick him. him. I can't. I can't. I don't want to pick him. So I'm okay, going to. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with uh, cousin Greg. Damn you, motherfucker! Cousin Greg, uh, been a numb nuts for three and a quarter seasons right now, but um. This is the first time that he kind of was an actual serious person. I mean, he partied with Madsen all night long, um, danced with an old man he didn't want to dance with, <laughs> a couple of bumps of cocaine, like a like a good boy, and then like he didn't want to be Greg's, you know, whipping boy, and he kind of got intimidated by Shiv, but didn't back down. Was able to kind of bury Shiv. Uh, with the information that he that he knew from hanging with Madsen and kind of ended shit. And then he was the person that actually went down into the newsroom and delivered the news that they were going to call uh, the race for Mankin. So, I mean, like I said earlier in the episode, Greg, he he never faces the, the consequences of just being a slimy, sleazy fuck. He's always intertwining with everybody in the show. And people don't think he's serious. People are making fun of him. But who would have thought that our little boy who said, if it's to be what it is, it is what it is on the Congress <laughs> floor called a national election for a major news network. So shout out to Greg. He's my uh, Logan Roy Memorial um, Series Person of the Week. Joke's on you, Gil. <laughs> <Sorry. That's right. laughs> um, so then should I go, I guess? Yeah. All right, so my Logan Roy Serious Person of the Week award is going to go to Jess because I think she, and they don't explicitly say that she's the leaker, but it's, I say, heavily implied that she is the leaker from what Greg told her because she pulls out her phone like immediately after um, he told her that. Um, But I would not be shocked if it comes out that she's been leaking stuff for a while now, and I hope maybe she's, getting a little scratch or got some other deal in the works uh, with who knows some politicians, some other, some other news network, PGN, something who knows. 
Um, but I love it. Good job, Jess. You win the week and you were only on screen for like 40 seconds. <laughs> um, my, my Logan Roy Memorial Series person of the week this week is Willa. Oh, nice. Willa. I mean, we know Connor had his down moment, but Willa has always been a supportive partner through this whole process. And, you know, she's going to have her lunches in Vienna, her dinners in Venice and breakfast in Dubrovnik. So I think she's doing big things, a big come up for our girl, Willa. And she's my Logan Logan Roy Memorial Fun Factory of the week (laughs) shit factory helicopter ride and jet fly and limousine ride son of a god of the week <laughs> Woo! i almost died i think i'm choking with that <laughs> oh man it's great i used I, to love when he would do that and just like pause and like be so dramatic with each line yeah. limousine ride he's the best wheeling dealing and then get faster and faster. What a <laughs> what a showman! I'm sorry. I when you mentioned Ric Flair around gentlemen of this age, <laughs> and, like not get into it. Exactly. <laughs> Want to go? Oh, um. So my Logan Memorial serious person at the Fun Factory Shit Show <laughs> Award goes to. Um, I think Willis better have Connor. Nice. Oh, good choice. I I think right. Like I think who else with that much like you're such an irrelevant candidate, and yet you had a starring role on election night. That's true. With that, with with a powerful concession speech. So he stay winning, and like you know, as Billy Joel says, Connor. Vienna waits for you. <laughs> nice. I love it. Love it. Great job. Um, so uh, good choices, everybody. Loved it. Uh so let's talk about our shit show at the fuck factory of the week. The person or persons who fucked up and lost this week. So this is a snake draft, Aya. So you're going first. Oh, okay. Um, I think, I think, what's the name again? Shit show at the fun factory factory this week (laughs) is, um, I think it's going to be ATN. I think ATN is losing. Corporations aren't people, so that counts. Corporations are people. Yep. I think ATN just blew any chance of legitimacy that they had. Um, and you know, they're going to get sued to kazoo i don't know like it seems like it's gonna be a bad bad couple of months for them so i think they're a shit show from the fun factory this week uh my shit show at the fuck factory is one thing for two people for two different reasons and that is the united states of america oh Oh, boy you son of a bitch you stole mine (laughs) because not only not only do they have Jared Bacon as president, but they flunked it. They flunked That's it. Right. They flunked they it. Flunked and it. they did not choose the correct candidate to win. And I'm not talking about Jimenez. I'm talking about our boy, our baby boy. Oh, our baby. sweet, sweet 
62-year-old baby boy, <laughs> Connor. Uh, so, America, you blew it, and you got your just desserts because of it. Can we just continually get more abstract with our choices? <laughs> like my the shit show at the fuck factory is the electoral college. <laughs> um, no, my shit show at the fuck factory is I'm going to go with Shiv because she got found out. Greg donned her out. She's in big trouble. And I don't know, you know, if it was maybe anyone else, I'd be scared of what she was saying and like her face when she came out of the building was like, I don't know, I'm going to fuck them all and whatever, yeah. you know, like, but all the schemes fail. So who knows what she's going to actually get up to. And, and I didn't really think about it, but like, what could she possibly say? I mean, I guess she could spin a number of things. She could talk about how Kendall killed the man. Um, Cause she does know that. Um, I don't know, but she definitely lost this week. Uh, everyone in her life basically is no, no one's on her side. I don't even who the fuck did she even call when she was making that call? Matson. Matson. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I do. You, all right. Let me ask you guys a quick, quick question. Do you think that Matson is even on her side, like in her corner? Like, I think he played her. He didn't. He she asked him for a position. What last week or two weeks ago? And he was just like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I think he's, I think she's going to send him talking points and he's going to go, nah, you know what? I don't want to do it. I want to keep it a secret. Okay. And that's going to be the fracture in their relationship. Fair. Yeah, we'll see. Robbie. Well, I was going to go democracy, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the voting Benny, process. Benny took that and I could easily go with Roman and, but we already labeled how much of a shitbag Roman is and was this episode. But my shit show at the fuck factory this week is ATN technology. Touchscreens. Um, oh, touchscreens. <laughs> touchscreens. I mean, the biggest night of the year. And you need your touchscreens to be full go. And they had three. They had three and two went down. Do you yeah. know the anxiety? If I was Tom Wobbsgam. Oh, my God. As an IT person that. Oof. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. As a resident IT guy. What would happen to your balls if you were down two touchscreens out of three? That would have been, you know, it, it, there's two points I want to make. I would have been shitting my britches and having a, a freak out. And then the fact that they think that the reason it was breaking was because he was touching it too hard. <laughs> and if you, as the IT person, if you had to explain that to somebody in that moment, they would be like, it would not compute and they'd be like, what the fuck do you mean? So it was just a disaster situation. I think that was the moment I was on my seat the most this whole episode. That tickled your IT mm-hmm. sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Your IT pickle. <laughs> and Ani Mensch for LaCroix for taking a beating this morning as well <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Especially Lemon. Goodness gracious. Lemon is not having a comeback season. Nah. I bet you the their sales jump for LaCroix Lemon. I bet. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. like Burberry's freaking hand uh, pocketbook went through the roof. Probably. Uh, real quick. I know we we did all this stuff right, but really quick because I was talking with the with with our good friend Catherine Ann about this uh, earlier today. Do you think it, this was completely out of character for Roman 
his act like you just you just reminded me Robbie of how he was just such a piece of shit or do you think this was like in line with the rest of the I think someone kind of alluded to it earlier yeah I said a softball scene a baseball that's right scene. yeah you yeah. did yeah you did yeah yeah that, I think this is just in line with who he's always been I mean you get glimpses and grabs whatever drips and drabs of you thinking him being a nice guy especially yeah, because he makes jokes. Yeah, we did talk about that a bit. And and Ayu was saying, um, you know, just fuck now. I forgot what Ayu was saying. It's a softball. Yeah. No, softball. The dick pics. The dick pics. The rocket ship blowing up. Pushing Kendall. <laughs> rocket ship. <laughs> and him not caring. I only, I only care because somebody might have lost a couple of thumbs. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Him, him just being him just being a complete piece of shit to Kendall at Kendall's party, like yeah. yeah. So I mean, I feel like you got, you know, we've gotten so many instances of Roman being a piece of shit, but like this episode was one hundred percent from concentrate. Yeah, like Roman being an asshole. Yeah. Oh, and and what Aya brought up was that he his decision making, his logic was shallow and like seemed rushed so maybe that's why he was being such an asshole was because he wanted to push this through so yeah i don't don't know he just wanted to be the big dog like big dog that yeah that's what's funny like all these three siblings like roman is always like all his movements is driven by him being the big dog and then shiv and kendall are always driven by spite like the whole shtick of shtick of shiv turning her back on his brothers is because she thinks that she's being boxed out. So she's being spiteful. And then Kendall calling Menken is him being spiteful to Shiv because he's like, he saw that he got double crossed. And it's like, it's so insane how like all these big fucking decisions are just like, not even through logic, not even through sound reason and logic. It's just through fucked up behavior and fucked up like emotions. Stupid assholes. <laughs> get a fuck therapist <laughs> for real yeah kendall um, has a great grief guy yeah yeah that's right okay yeah <laughs> um so is there anything else does i had a few things popped in my head but we're gonna we would keep going forever so is there anything else anyone else wants to bring up or else i'll keep going send us emails michelle please rip this man oh my gosh <laughs> i'm gonna get a text I'm gonna get a nice text tomorrow <laughs> on her way to work saying Tell her to save the text, put it in email, put it in writing. Yeah, I don't understand like why I can't just like screenshot things. it. A voice note, yeah. No, I just I like sc- that she gave you a hard time. If I screenshot <laughs> the the text message she sends about Ryan, me and Ryan would no longer have a podcast. But you you're gonna be taking it on the chin for succession, but just wait until we get to movies. I'm gonna get sucker punched left and right by who's ever listened to this podcast. Oh, can I say, this is, like, one of my favorite anecdotes about, like, so in terms of, like, future episodes, I think I've pitched that two ideas to Benny and Robbie for future things. Yeah. One is, like, possibly doing, like, a side-by-side of, like, twin movies. Okay. You know how, like, like, like choosing one with over... twins Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> no, like, you know how, like, their movies are, like, exactly the same? Like, yes. Deep Impact and Armageddon or... Right, right, right. What's that movie like? Uh, there were two like presidents in White House, like Olympus has fallen and White House down, or and something. Dave, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, Paul Dave's Blart, like well, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and 
um that seth rogan joined where he's also a mall cop like that's a nice little like compare and contrast yeah deep the other one dante's peak yeah <laughs> volcano volcano and volcano. dante's peak yeah. Oh, volcano, yeah but like another one because you guys talked about it like i think a tarantino draft would be pretty awesome to do like and hard. it will make it'll oh make God. benny watch all the tarantino movies because let me tell you when we first started dating and he told me that his favorite movie was Inglorious Bastards. I thought, as a sensible, reasonable, average person, that that meant this man was sort of versed in movies. Because who has seen Inglorious Bastards and not seen, I don't know, Jurassic Park or Back to the Future or Goo? You know, like that's a reasonable assumption to think. And then I got roped into this marriage. No, so that's <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what he saw. He saw fucking cock to the future. That's what he saw. <laughs> <laughs> Fooling him since '86, baby. <laughs> no, that's you. fine. Listen, I I don't mind Michelle breaking my balls, but come on, I can dislike things. I'm sure she likes things that I think are stupid. Exactly. No, she likes Harry Potter. You guys are on the same page. That's true. We are Harry Potter bros. Or bro and Seth. Yeah. You, we should have a run for a Harry Potter draft. Then I'll be fucking snoozing by 10 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, you're a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Maybe we should wrap it up there. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you, Aya, for joining Thank you for uh, having me. It's yeah, so much fun. Fantastic perspectives as always. We yes. As always, love the different perspective, love the the woman perspective. Um, so much appreciated. Definitely come back maybe, you know, when we do the Tarantino the or something or the wrap up. Yeah, always welcome. Always welcome. I mean, just come on. Benny doesn't even need to ask us. <laughs> oh, also, I think another suggestion after this would be cool. Everyone out there listening, if you have a movie that you think Robbie and Benny hasn't seen, make them watch it and then yep. jump on the show and then discuss it with them. Yeah. So like you could feature different people with a movie on hand and then four people can start talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Please. And don't I'm, make I'm, it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, please suggest movies. I'm running out of fucking... Uh, airport planes uh taking off on youtube so please tell me. <laughs> i've seen every sand trap video on on golf on YouTube. yeah I mean, how many times can i can i worry about my wedges from 50 yards in yeah we'll do a lot of that cool stuff and fun stuff hopefully you guys like it um but thank you for listening we'll see you next week and uh robbie why don't you tell him good night good night kentucky you fucked it up for all of us. <laughs> it's not that lemony. It's a hint of lemon. <laughs> uh.